I'm telling you, these people are Satanists. As I sit here, they are Satanists. Nothing will stop the Satanic total release. Parts not pissed Satan. Welcome to the place where we are so sick of the question, why Satan? We named a podcast after it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Now, the first thing I want to say is I want to say thank you for everyone who ever reaches out to me, considering that I am not a person who has the most amazing self-confidence. So when I sit down to record my show, I always feel a little bit anxious of, oh boy, who's going to want to listen to me rant on topic X? Who's, who's going to care? And the other day I got just a shocking boost to my self-confidence when I got a little badge from Podbean that said, hey, you have a thousand downloads to your podcast. So I want to say thank you for everyone. And if you ever wonder, like, eh, I, I kind of want to send Josh a message, but I bet you he gets like a ton of messages or something. I will say I don't get a ton, but I get a bunch, but I'm probably always going to answer a message if you send it and I'm always going to appreciate it. So if you send me if you sent me something in the past, I I just want to say that I appreciate it a lot. It it helps me a lot. Especially one person who I saw the other day on Twitter mentioned that they binged my whole podcast in a day. I want to say thank you very much. I was kind of having a shitty day that day, and it helped me a lot. And to those who reached out to me and said that the episode on toxic friends and family helped them, I I already said thank you, but thank you that... That made me feel awesome. And before I continue to throw, like, <laughs> thank yous out for the entire podcast, let's talk about what we're actually going to talk about today. So the first segment, I'm just going to go on, not a rant, but I'm going to talk about when I hear groups or people say that Satanism belongs to a certain group. I always thought it was BS and bullshit, but now that I've read... Again, I've reread Romantic Satanism. It is very much bullshit. After that, we are going to get into the first chapter of Introduction to Romantic Satanism. Now, I already say this in the actual segment, but if you haven't got the book, it's pretty cheap. Go pick it up, read it, it's awesome. Then after that, I talk a little about what I think we can learn from Romantic Satanism that's different from actual Satanism. Like... There's other stuff we can learn from Mandic Satanism. Some of it being in Satanism itself, and some of it not so much. And then after that, I go into a bit of an off-the-cuff, just sort of, not rant, though it does turn into a rant at the end, discussion about how I feel. Satanism lets us play with a lot of things. I've talked about it before, but it's a topic that I enjoy. Maybe some point I'll just do a full podcast on a topic that I wrote about a while ago where I stated that atheism saved my soul and Satanism rekindled it. Maybe some point I'll have a whole segment on that. But before I get into my runaway train of just talking, which you know I'm very good at because it's something I have to stop myself constantly from doing, let's move on to the actual episode of the podcast. You know, when I was just starting to 
think of myself as a Satanist. I was doing a lot of research, which included looking online and looking at other different opinions on Satanism. One of the major debates that I came across a few times was, who does Satanism belong to? And it seemed a, a very strange debate to me, concerning I, I came into Satanism new, so I didn't know all like the weird baggage that some people had with it. And so I, I didn't really get it. And I found that most people who were making the debate that modern Satanists aren't really Satanists because Satanist is a very particular type of thing and it doesn't belong to them. Well, most people who are hearing me say this can guess that it is something that came out of the Church of Satan. I don't like to say everyone about anything, really. I don't like to just paint any organization or any group of people with any brush that broad. So I will say a lot of Church of Satan members that I've encountered and the actual, like, especially on Twitter, because that's where there seem to be. It seems like that's what the Church of Satan is, is on Twitter and social media. But even the official Church of Satan account states that Satanism was created by LaVey, and if you don't follow the Church of Satan, that you're not really a Satanist because Satanism is LaVeyan Satanism, and anything else isn't. Now, I thought this was dumb for reasons of, it seems moronic to me, of putting rules on a social norm to Satanists. It seems self-defeating. And so even if it was true that LaVey was the first person to really use Satan in a way that the classical church doesn't, what does it matter? I mean, he took something that the church used and he changed it. Why is it so bizarre that someone else would take maybe his idea and run with it? But the more I read about Satanism, the more I realized that the idea that anyone today owns Satanism is just stupid. The Church of Satan particularly has no room to stand on. Sure, they could say they're the first to formally make it some sort of religion. And who knows? Maybe looking at it like that, it makes sense. And maybe you could say that Satanism today would be different without the Church of Satan, sure. But we're rereading the introduction to Romantic Satanism, which I'm going to talk about later. It's easy to see that Satanism has been a thing a long time before LaVey. Like, nearly 200 years longer. LaVey, he's not even coming at Satanism the same way modern Satanists do. They're very different. So, on one hand, I can see the Church of Satan saying, well, that's not real Satan. We are Satanists, and we get to say what real Satanism is. But to me, the part that makes more sense is it's just a completely different interpretation of Satan. The claim by some that Satanists... The claim by some that I've seen from this... Um, One of the strangest claims I've seen the Church of Satan put out was that 
other Satanists aren't really Satanists, that they're more Christian. This has to be the stupidest of the arguments to me, since, well, the Church of Satan Satan is much more based on the Christian Satan than modern Satanists. Now, it might seem like I'm beating up on the Church of Satan a little bit, and I am a little bit, but the only reason for that is they're the only ones I'm seeing running around claiming to own Satan. Like, even the the Catholic Church, who loves to claim ownership of everything, doesn't claim Satan. They don't say, well, we're Satan. We're... <laughs> slip of the tongue. That we're the true church and we own Satan. Modern Satanists could easily say that they can claim the roots of Satanism. Because, really, modern Satanism is not based at all on the type of Satan that the Church of Satan looks at. It is part of the Romantic Satanist Satan, which is very different from the Church's view of Satan. The Church's view of Satan is far closer to the Church of Satan, which isn't a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. If that's your cup of tea, great. Go ahead. But what I'm trying to say is the more I looked into the introduction to Romantic Satanism, the more I thought this argument never made sense. And it doesn't make sense from even an academic level. And sometimes I, I wonder if if the Church of Satan didn't exist, would Satanism, the, the modern Satanism, would it still have happened? And I wouldn't be shocked if it did, due to the fact that Romantic Satanism existed. And yeah, modern Satanists have our disagreements. If you've been around any group of modern Satanists, you know there's disagreements. But I haven't actually seen any of them claim to be the one true Satanism. Which, I honestly think, that's one thing, along with the other things we do have to owe to the Church of Satan, because they are a historical touchstone. But I think we also need to look at them and realize that they, they taught us something else. Trying to claim ownership of Satan and exclude everyone else and be really gatekeeping about it, they kind of showed us how self-destructive that really is. For a lot of people, when they think about the start of Satanism, they think about pop culture. They think about the Church of Satan, they think of Templars, the Salem Witch Trials. But it actually goes back to at least the 1800s, and it gets its start farther back than that. And the main way I learned about this was through the book Introduction to Romantic Satanism. And I've really appreciated going back and rereading this book for this podcast. The reason is stopping and taking notes helped a lot with my comprehension. I, I feel like I learned new things this time around. I feel like I absorbed it a lot more. Maybe I should start taking notes this way on everything not fiction I read. For today's podcast, though, we're going to get into the first chapter, which is mostly all about the prehistory of Romantic Satanism, where it came from. And I really didn't remember much about this chapter at all. I it's far more interesting than I remember it being. And looking at the history, we can, we can really see 
like why it happened. And one of the first things the book does that's really interesting and like well done is they give a nice, simple definition of what romantic Satanism is. Because we're going to throw this words romantic Satanism around all over the place. And before this, like, I wasn't quite sure how to define it myself. Like, I had this vague idea of how I probably would define it, but I really like this definition. The definition we get is that romantic Satanism is the reconstruction and reinterpretation of the myth of Satan, giving him positive attributes and casting him as a heroic rebel against tyranny, oppression, and injustice. I think that's a very good, succinct definition. And now that we have our definition, we, we know what we're talking about. And the book jumps right into it, talking about where we start. And the start is the 4th century BCE, where before this, the church wasn't really heavily focused on Satan. They, they were more focused on the word of Jesus, which, considering that's what Christians are supposed to be all about, you'd think that would be their main thing. After that, though, they definitely introduced more Satan into that theology, taking the role of being a source of all evil and a scapegoat. I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason why this happened was because people were asking the question, well, if God made everything, why is there evil? And while the book of Job tries to answer this, at least that's what I was told when I was still a believer, I have no idea how the book of Job answers this other than saying that God's a dick, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's why this happened in the 4th century. Because if you actually look at the Bible, there's not many references to Satan other than the book of Revelation, which a lot of it doesn't exactly mention Satan by name. He gets a lot of other words that are used for him, but it, that's even if we include the book of Revelation in the Bible, which there's many sects that don't considering that it's one of the last books that was actually added to the Bible. And I don't mean that it was put at the end. There was a lot of debate about the Bible, partly because a lot of even the priests viewed the book of Revelation as social commentary and not a real prophecy. But in the end, the book of Revelation was really popular, and so it was included. Then the book goes on to tell us that the start of Romantic Satanism really came at a time that there was just conflicts all over Europe, most of them having religion at their core, that right before the start of Romantic Satanism, the Catholic and Protestant wars were starting to wind down, and there had become a serious aversion to religion because of this, and people were starting to look at the Enlightenment and starting to look at evil as being something that came from people and things that people did and not acts of demonic forces that were being pushed on people from the outside. Not only did you have the Age of Enlightenment and the end to the Catholic and Protestant wars, you also had, not long before this, was the French Revolution. During the French Revolution, the Jacobites 
not only did they bring on their reign of terror, they seized property from the church, from the Catholic Church, and they forced clergy to swear an oath to the state rather than the Pope. And this was actually something that in France severely weakened the view of the church in many people's eyes. They thought, well, if this is happening to the church, how much power do they actually have? And I'm not going to say that it made a lot of people quote-unquote atheists, but it made people worry less about what the church was going to do to them if they said something the church didn't like. Now, that did change a little bit. When the Jacobins were pushed out of power, the revolutionaries were labeled, of course, Satanists by the political and religious conservatives, which sounds really familiar with revolutionaries and people who want to push ideas being labeled by conservatives as Satanists. But that would actually inspire the Satanists, the Romantic Satanists, to take on this propaganda that was being pushed on the revolutionaries and cast Satan as a revolutionary himself against the conservative cause. Again, that sounds very familiar. Taking something that has been used against you in the past to help push your views and help you deal with this backlash against you and people who think like you. But what seriously kicked off Romantic Satanism was what's called the Blasphemous and Seditious Libels Act. This is because Britain saw what happened during the French Revolution. They saw their lords and their kings get their heads cut off, and they thought, well, that's clearly not good for us. We should make it harder for anything like that to happen. I'm sure in school you heard the idea of the six acts, which helped piss people off in Britain, and they pushed for reform because of these six acts. Well, the Bra Blasphemous and Seditious Libels Act was part of these six acts. It severely increased the penalty for the crimes of writing blasphemy and sedition. And this was not viewed well by a lot of writers and English poets, namely per Percy Shelley and Lord Byron, who were always outspoken about their ideas for reform. So in what we think of as a very Satanist tactic, what did they do? Well, they took their dislike of this law that would punish them for writing blasphemous and seditious things, and they decided that their poetry was now going to be aimed at, you guessed it, blasphemous and seditious themes. And one of their favorite themes that they used over and over again was the theme of Satan. And so these two helped kick off the Romantic Satanists, Shelley and Byron. And you hear their names come up over and over again when you look in Romantic Satanists. And Blake. Shelley, Byron, and Blake tend to be the main three that you hear about in terms of Romantic Satanism. There are others. Uh, the book goes on and talks about some of the others that are in the genre of Romantic Satanism. Or the movement of Romantic Satanism. And we can see it's definitely no mistake that the age of revolution and Romantic Satanism happened around the same time 
because a lot of romantic Satanism is about revolution. And looking around at what's said about romantic Satanism, it really does. You, you can see the tie that it has to the current modern Satanism and what they use the symbol for. It's like, when you're reading the history, it's like, oh, yeah, it makes complete sense that it was the romantic Satanists that took Satan from the church. They picked it up from the church, and they altered how we as modern Satanists see Satan. And given how and why romantic Satanism came about, it, it's no wonder that a lot of modern Satanism, people who view themselves as modern Satanists anyway, view themselves as activists or people who push human rights. It makes sense because that's exactly what romantic Satanism was molded to do. That's the point. That's what they went into it to do. And as far as we know, none of the romantic Satanists would actually call themselves Satanists. At least that we know of. And I'm pretty sure none of them would ever publicly say that they were Satanists. That would be a very bad idea. Considering that the witch craze in Europe, well, it did happen quite a while ago from their standpoint. Like, probably about a hundred years or so. Maybe a little less than that. I'm not too sure about the, the years, but there's no way in hell that they would say that they were Satanists. It would be, basically, it would go from getting in trouble to kind of a death warrant. But I'd be really curious on how they view modern-day Satanism. I'd be curious if, would they appreciate it? Would they appreciate it for what it's being used for? Would they look at it and go, yep, that is kind of what we thought might happen? I'm not too sure that would be their point of view. Would be really cool if it was. Uh, I'm not too sure if they would decide, well, cool, we're Satanists. But who knows? We have no idea. But I'd, I'd be curious. And just this whole first chapter, really, it grounds Satanism. It it. It is something like, is someone, me, who, like, my degree is in history. That was what I went for. So I, I dealt with a lot of history. So just for me, it just seriously makes Satanism feel like it. it's always felt real. But, like, looking at history, it feels so much more legitimate. Like, if talking to someone go, well... Satanism's a fake religion. It doesn't exist. It's just something made up. You can point to the romantic Satanists and go, well, it has a long history. And that's probably one of the first things I myself would point out to someone who just asks, what the hell is Satanism? What is it? I'd point them at this definition, the romantic Satanist definition that this book well lays out and then I'd probably hand them this book and say here you go if anything's the founding document of modern Satanism it's not the Satanic Bible it is this not literally this book 
but it is what this book is trying to convey. And I've really enjoyed this. I've enjoyed just ripping apart this book and making notes. So I'm going to do this for every chapter of this book. If you haven't gotten this book, I highly, highly suggest you get it on Amazon. If you get things from Amazon, like the Kindle's like seven bucks. It's, it's like $6 and 66 cents. And the hardcover itself is like $10. Uh, you can probably find it on eBay or somewhere else if you don't want to go through Amazon. But I highly suggest this book. Uh, Rayla is currently reading it after I suggested it to her. When I mentioned I was going through it with this podcast, she's like, well, I'm going to pick it up. And she's sped through it faster than I have on my reread because I'm taking so many notes. And one of the cool things that she discovered, which is a s- series that I'm going to talk about later, is... They mentioned Voltaire in there, who talks about Satan in some points. And one thing she picked out immediately was in the show, His Dark Materials, and I think she said it's in the book too, that one of the passages that gets read in that book on how clever the snake is, that it was the most clever animal in the garden, is actually mentioned in this introduction to Satanism from Voltaire. So I thought that was very interesting cool. But that is something I'm going to talk about eventually because His Dark Materials, like the book series, is great. The one that the BBC slash HBO is doing, it's also great. I'm going to figure out... I might wait till I get through all of season two before I talk about it because I'm not quite there yet. I've read most some of the books, or at least most of them, but... It's definitely something I want to talk about because it ties into Revolt of the Angels, strangely enough, if you haven't seen it. But, yeah, that's been on my mind reading this book. A few things have been on my my mind reading this book. But I don't know if I'm going to get to Chapter 2 next week or the week after. Depends, we'll see. Considering that it's going to depend on how long it takes me to write notes, how busy I get, or if I have something else that crops up that I want to talk about next week. But thank you very much for this first part of our segment on Introduction to Romantic Satanism. And we're going to move on to another topic that talks about Romantic Satanism. Because of the type of person I am when I'm reading something or I'm thinking about something, I tend to think about it a lot, even when I'm not actually interacting with it. So, during the course of this week, I've been thinking about romantic Satanism a lot. And I've been wondering that I think it can teach us quite a bit, really. And I think even people who are not Satanists can learn from the romantic Satanism movement. And when I say that, I think the first thing that I would say that I've learned, and it's something that I touched on when talking about Lil Nas X's music video. It's taking something that has been used against you and just owning it. I think there's something important with that. It's We see it in a lot of minority communities, especially. And I think that type of healing is not for everyone, because not everyone finds comfort in it. But quite a lot of people do. There are a lot of people who, for example, found a lot of healing in Lil Nas X's video. And I know I've talked about his video on 
a show or two. But again, I've said before, I think it speaks to Satanism greatly. And I think if we think about that, that everything is different person to person, that every way of taking something that has been used against you and making it part of your own or not is a very personal thing. Different people can look at the same causes of pain and alter it in different ways. And the reason for that is people are harmed in different ways by the same cause. You can have two forms, well, you can have one form of emotional abuse that can hit people harder depending on their past. And I think we can also see that as a reason of why there's so much of a mixture within Satanists. For example, some Satanists make ritual part of their practice and they use it heavily. Others don't. There are some Satanists who view themselves as very religious. Others do not. And the Romantic Satanists, they each had their own flavor. They had each a take on the themes that they worked with, but they were different. But the main thing they didn't do is they didn't look at each other's differences. And as far as I know, I don't think any of them, from what I've seen, have gone after each other on how they used Satan. Like, I don't know of any letters of Byron writing Shelley saying that, hey, I think the way you have used the character of Satan is X or Y. And I don't think Blake went after either of them either. And I I believe that in many ways we need to think about that. We need to look at that and integrate that part of them into modern Satanists too. I've seen some people disagree on how to be Satanists, which blows my mind. It's the amount of stupid shit. And I think that there are very few things in Satanist Satanism that one could say you were using Satanism wrong. Now, don't get me wrong. I do believe that there are some wrong ways a modern Satanist could behave. For example, I think if anyone's a bigot in any way, I would tell them you were not a modern Satanist. You might be a Satanist, but you're not a modern Satanist. You do not take your views from Romantic Satanism. You don't. You may have taken Romantic Satanism and made it part of your beliefs, but I don't think bigotry has any place in modern Satanism whatsoever. And equally, when we look at disagreements and agreements on direction, we can understand that I think something we can learn is this. If two people want to travel in a bus and it's going in the same direction... One wants to travel 10 miles. The other one wants to travel 100. There's no point in them not sharing the same bus if it's going in the direction both are going. Maybe one can convince the other to stay on longer. Maybe one can convince the other to get off sooner. But I think we can agree that burning the bus to the ground just leaves everyone not able to go in the direction they want to go. That, to me, is why I tend to work with a lot of people that I don't necessarily completely 100% agree with. I would work with some people who are far more centrist in like a political sense than I am because from where we are now, we're 
going in the same direction. And I'm willing to work with someone who's probably farther to the left than I am because we're going in the same direction. That's sort of my view on it. And I think that we can apply that to a lot of things. And there's just a lot in romantic Satanism that we can look at through the guise of not even Satanism. And I think it's really cool. I think it's an underappreciated movement in literature. I will say that I've never heard about it before. Like, before I became a Satanist, I never heard about it. And it's kind of, it's hard to bring up, because when you say the word romantic Satanist to someone out of the blue when you're talking about literature movements that are meaningful, they look at you like, what are you talking about? So it can be a little difficult. But either way, that is sort of my take on what I've gotten out of thinking about romantic Satanism so far. I'd love to hear from anyone who has also been researching romantic Satanism. What's the takeaway that you have? Let me know, because I'm actually always interested in other people's point of view. With all the poetry and writing and using Satanism as a way to discuss modern-day issues and using it to oppose oppression and tyranny... We can't also forget that Satanism can be used as, I don't want to say play, but yes, I do. I I do want to say play. That we can sort of take these ideas, whether they be just like occult ideas or ideas of like the supernatural that seem maybe not important to us, but that resonate with people. Because I do think that because we are pattern-seeking animals, that the occult really is something that gets uh, focused on us. We, we kind of lean towards it. Since we, we like cause and effect, we like when we can say, well, if you do this and this, this happens. I've mentioned this before when I was talking about QAnon, how in conspiracies, people like to feel in control. So... Human beings do lean into conspiracy theories and occult. And I've mentioned before that one of the things that I love about being a Satanist is not feeling weird when I play with something like, I'm going to reach over here and take my Oracle card deck. They're, they're kind of like tarot cards, but you can think about it as if they're all major arcana and they all have multiple meanings normally written at the bottom. I, I love fiddling with them. I... I barely do any readings but i like shuffling with them i like just pulling one out and seeing what comes up i like the idea of rituals they are really cool to me i like the idea of just figuring out ways to use just things that pulled me in when i was younger just like the ideas like magic but I, i know magic's not real but i can i can play with it and i think that's an important thing not to forget that we can we can use satanism that we can play with it as someone who was just an atheist before i was a satanist for years that was something it was very weird i've talked about this before that i felt really guilty about fiddling with anything that had any ties to supernaturals i felt weird about having crystals on my desk i've loved crystals my entire life and minerals i've been fascinated with them i think they're cool but I felt weird about having them there because I knew that people use them for supernatural reasons. And for me at least, and I know it's not just me, it is something that 
Satan can give me. I can explore these ideas without feeling any sort of guilt, and I can feel that I can get something out of it, or not even get anything out of it. I can just enjoy it. I actually do know one person who is fairly shy when it comes to sex and anything that is sexual. So what they have done, they have used Satanism to feel less guilty about it. They've made their sexuality part of their Satanist practice. That part of being a Satanist to them is not feeling guilty about their desires and things that they find enjoyment in. That it is part of their practice. And I think that's really cool. And I actually think it's a really cool coping mechanism. And I already know that there are some people, especially some atheists who I knew when I was just an atheist, who would say, well, that's not healthy. That is just replacing the crutch of religion, which made you feel bad about these things. You're replacing it with a crutch of Satanism. And in my view, I say, who gives a shit? I mean, seriously, we all need ways to cope with something. If having a mechanism that you can use to cope with something is a crutch, fuck you. Like, a crutch isn't a way of coping. A crutch, if you actually want to use the term crutch correctly, it is a way of ignoring an issue. That's the way I view it. Calling a way of coping a crutch is bullshit and pisses me off. So I don't think we can let that view influence how we act as Satanists. Because as Satanists, we say fuck social norms. We look at social norms that have no place in our lives, that bring nothing to us, and we say fuck it. We throw it away. I did a whole show on social norms, so I'm not going to get into that. But if we find something that gives us meaning or just helps our lives, awesome. We can use it. No one should dismiss something like that and call it a crutch. It is stupid and it pisses me off. It really does. But before I turn this into a full-all on rant, which those of you who have listened to my other show know that I can get in a full-on rant and I have to cut myself off and I'm doing... and I'm almost falling into a rant about ranting. Okay. So, before that happens, I'm going to say thank you all for listening Thank you everyone who has been supporting me and saying that the new format is awesome. It helps me so much. But until next time, this has been Why Satan and Hail Satan. I will say honestly, the only thing I'm not quite happy about yet is the fact that I'm still trying to figure out what transitions to use between segments. If you have any ideas, let me know. Still scratching my head over it.